Hi guys, welcome back to another podcast. This is uh, this is getting quite exciting now because the people I'm getting on, we, you know, we, people that we've listened to so far, the guests that are coming on now, we're just you know, it's just developing and people quite sort of strange enough, people quite liking these things. So it's either my uh, electric voice or because I'm getting guests that are very, very, uh, very knowledgeable and giving back. So I, I think it's the second one. Today is no exception. Again, like all my guests, I tend to know of them. And I actually, I've only met this man once, and that was in a sort of a, a teaching capacity, flipping through before this lockdown. But, you know, I've had so many, you know, students at our place who have played under him in all different kinds of, of age brackets, and, and I hear nothing but exceptional words uh, that they speak about this man. So, you know, when, I, when I'm doing podcasts, this is a, it's a no-brainer. Today's guest is Jim McDonald Whitehawk. How are you, mate? Yeah, cheers, mate. They're obviously good liars. Um, thanks, thanks for having me on, mate. I really oh, appreciate mate. that. We've had, we've had we've had quite a few, as you could, as you know, come through our place, and uh, and you know there has been moments where it's nothing but Whitehawk, which uh, you know is uh, yeah. is is good. It's good. Uh, but before we start and ask some sort of get down some nitty gritties, mate, can you just tell the, the listeners your background because you know again you've done so much for someone who is deemed as being so young in management. Uh, yeah, I started um, started teaching at what used to be City College, uh, GB Met, in about 2011, um, and then took the uh, the second team, the second uh, 11, the year after, um, and I think the year after that we started the under-18s at, at Whitehawk, um, and I was there for five years doing that, um, did the Sussex Schools under 18s, two years with Dave Hall, two years with Dave Altendorf um, as joint manager and um, uh, uh, alongside Whitehawk under 18s and then more recently, uh, summer of 2018, uh, became manager of Whitehawk first team. So it's been a bit of a, um, lots of different teams uh, along that time. Um, but yeah, an exciting journey so, so far. Let's talk, let's talk about Whitehawk, <coughs> excuse me, the Dominic first team. It's been up, you know, you've had a roller coaster ride the last two or three years. Uh, Lisa, you know, you, it's, you know, you've been up and you've been down, you've been relegated and stuff like that. How, how have you coped with all that mentally? Because it's not easy going to a sort of first managerial job in men's football and having a lot, you know, difficult times. It's not, it's not kid about, you know, great times now, you know, great times now, but there were difficult times. You know, how did you cope so young, first job, in, a, in, a, in what was at that period of time quite difficult? Uh, yeah, with, with great difficulty. Um, I think certainly in the first few months, or, or pre-Christmas, certainly with great difficulty uh, in terms of how I coped. Um, the, I think the emotions and, and the... Um, gravitas put on every single game was something that I was ready for in terms of what it meant to other people but I don't think I was ready for what it meant to me and um, when you put in hour, however many hours of work that you put in pre-game for um, assessing the opposition or planning training sessions or uh, working with your staff to try and get ready for a game and working with your players to try and get ready for a game and then things don't come off, which um, there was a you know a fair few times before Christmas in our first year where they didn't come off. Um, 
I don't think I'd prepared myself for how I would deal with it personally. Um, and I think there were plenty of times that I, I took it really, really badly, um, losing games. And, and almost at times, I, I think there were times I didn't recover almost before the next game. Um, and I think that, that definitely affected me. And that was probably one of the biggest things that I would say um, that I've learned and that, that have sort of shocked me from, um, or did shock me um, in, in the first part of, of last season massively. You have a reputation at Whitehawk to, <coughs> excuse me, to, uh, to play youngsters. Like a lot, a lot of the younger 18s have come through and you know, a lot of young kids played a lot of games so far. How have you, how do you do as a manager when you've got a lot of young players on your side and things are not going well? Because obviously when things are going well, everyone doesn't really think about it. It's just, you know, it's going well and you roll with it. But how did you deal with some of your younger players? Because you had 17, 16, 18, you know, young, young players playing good, good football. How did you cope? How did, how did you deal with them when things weren't going the way that, that you wanted? Oh, so, I mean, that's a, it's a really good question. Um, at times, not well. Um, I think there were certainly times that I, I would look at myself and I think you probably, a lot of your, I know a lot of your guests previously have mentioned the amount of reflection they've done. I think I've probably reflected more on myself in the last just shy of two years than I ever have in my, in my, in my life um, in, in the 30 years before that. So um, in terms of dealing with those young players, there were, there were players where, times, sorry, where I would look at a team performance and I would actually sort of almost lay, label the blame of them um, at times when I actually maybe could have supported them better through that process. Um, I would say that, I would say that, or I'd like to think that I've given them quite a lot of trust um, and I've trusted them in performance. Uh, I've trusted them to, to be able to perform. Um, and I, I like to think that I've been able to take risks with them, certainly in different positions um, with, with certain players. Um, so from that point of view, I think there's been certainly ups and downs with it. Um, the, but the, yeah, the, the, looking back now, I think I probably maybe trusted boys that weren't ready. Um, and, and I think some of those boys will admit they probably weren't ready. Um, and then I think I, you know, maybe didn't trust boys who maybe were more ready. So it, it's, it's a big reflection. I think you look at the boys that have come through and inevitably when you, when you look at a side like, like Hinch has got a Worthing, the young players who have got the right mindset will generally shine through and they will generally play more games. I think you look at Worthing as a club over the past however many years, they've given debuts to dozens of young lads, but there's always some that will shine through and some that will keep playing games and some that will play however many hundred games. And, you know, and there'll be some that will play 10 games and, and never play again. And, and so you can't always take the blame yourself as a coach, but there's certainly things that I, I have looked at and that I have I've learned from massively. So, in that respect, what do you think is some of the biggest differences between, you know, you've you know, you still got a very successful White Hawk, uh, you've set up, you know, under-18s, winning leagues, winning trophies, etc. And then you've sourced, you know, into the first team. And you've seen both, you know, both spectrums of that and you're still involved with both spectrums. What do you think, you know, some of the key traits that 
potentially go missing when someone trades that step up from an 18s to a, to a as they say, you know, some people play 200 games. <clears throat> Excuse me, some people play 10. Why did people play 10 and why did people play 200? Um, the ones that, for me, I can only obviously speak from my own experience. I'm sure it would be maybe different for at Burgess Hill or Worthing or wherever, but the ones that... Um, the ones that always still want to learn and the ones that don't think they know best will be the ones that generally speaking will, will continue to kick on the ones that are willing to listen, not just to me, but to senior players or other members of staff. Um, and they're constantly willing to learn and willing to, um, accept their mistakes. And I, I don't think it's necessarily just young players. It's, it's players of any level, any age, sorry, but, the ones that have got to that age have done it because they've done it at 17, 16, 17, 18. They've been willing to learn, willing to take on board advice and information and, and dealing with disappointment, you know? So you're not going to play every game at 18. That's just the way it is. Whether that's the right decision or wrong decision as the manager, you know, you're not going to play every game and that's just a fact. So the ones that will generally get further will be the ones that have that sort of... Um, intrinsic drive the ones that that want to make it i say make it you know one the ones that want to play more games will play more games generally speaking um of course ability comes into it that that goes without saying you know that i know that but you'll find that that drive um even if it's a drive just to prove me wrong as the manager that drive will get them somewhere um and that will get them to 50 appearances that will then get them to 100 appearances you know, that will get them to 150 appearances. And you've only got to look around Sussex at the 23, 24-year-olds now. Generally speaking, that they've done that. So you've gone from the under-18s, gone to the first team, and, you know, if my maths is right, it's probably around late 20s when that happened. Uh, 29, 30, give or take. And you've got, I'm sure yeah, you've got players, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've got players that were older than you in that side. Mm. Take. How, how hard was it to be, because you, you, you tend not to find players older than the manager. You tend not to find that, okay? So you, you, lose, you lose this sort of like, you know, oh, he's older than me, this respect because he's my elders. You know, we know that, that, you know, even though that might be lost in today's society, ten, you tend to find in football, someone comes in a little bit older than you, got you know, more experience, so that person or the player gives it a little bit of time. But you've gone the other way. You've got some players. You've gone in younger than the players. How did the players then cope with you being younger? And how did you cope with giving probably strict commands at times to those senior players? Yeah. It, well, I mean, actually, when, when I went in, we, we, we only had one player. So as I started, they were relegated out of the conference and, and we only had one player there. And then when I had to recruit those players, um, you know, I did try to get more senior players in. Um, and when I say more senior, I mean, played a lot of games. There was, I think there was only one player older than me in the end or two players older than me. Um, one of them worked really well. The other, the relationship didn't. Um, and... I mean, there's various reasons. Any relationship takes two, doesn't it? So I have to look at myself and, and, and myself and that player. It just didn't really work out. And, and I, I think it was for the detriment of the changing room um, when, when that 
sort of relationship wasn't working but um yeah it was hard and and I don't think it's just an age thing like you're saying about you know players being older I think a lot of it was that I had come from youth football and I hadn't come from senior football so there was a lot of that pressure that I had put on myself not just with um a, a player older than me but more a player this player's played x number of games in the conference south he's played x number of games in the Bostic Premier and so on and so forth and it was it was that pressure that I really put on myself with regards to are they going to trust me are they going to trust what I'm saying are they going to trust the ideas that I'm putting across are they going to question me and say well hang on a sec how do you know um and so that was something that I was something that I would say was in my own head probably more than it actually was in in um in reality if that makes sense we had a you know we had a lot of team meetings and I think there was a lot of time from an analysis point of view that I was probably giving so much information from a point of view of going look look I do know what I'm talking about I promise you know here's some information here's more information here's more information and actually some of it may have been irrelevant some players didn't care they they weren't interested um so it, now i've reflected on it that was probably you know one of the biggest issues not an age thing but actually a knowledge thing and 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 me being so desperate to prove i wasn't out of my depth if that makes sense yeah, yeah. have you found managing to coaching because i've asked this question a few times i think i asked it to jay's Jay Love as well is that you know some great coaches can't become managers, some great managers who can't coach or vice versa, and some you know some can do both and some can't do either. And I think you've come from a coaching managing type background with the 18s. Like say you you know you spoke about doing analysis. I know you're a scientist as well. You know you're you know in education, so you know you're not just this sort of you know I'm looking at one 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 pathway. You know you try to incorporate everything. But how have you have you found the difference between coaching and actually man managing the team? Uh, very different at, at men's level, definitely. Um, that it, there's definitely um, you, you don't you can't sugarcoat things the same way you can do to a maybe a a sixteen year old, and that's not to say you lie to a sixteen year old, but you can word things in in a way to a sixteen year old that you can't do to a twenty six year old because they'll just look right through you. Um, so that would be um, certainly the, the biggest difference in terms of a, a man management thing from, from youth team to, to men's football that I've um, encountered. Um, so, you know, you, it's, it's straight up. You've got to be straight up. You've got to be honest with people and, and, and call a spade a spade, if you like, um, whether, that, whether that is for the best or not. But from a coaching to a, to a management situation, I don't know, Stephen, I don't know if there's any of the boys that we both know, obviously, that, that have been at Whitehawk, maybe, that, that would say that I'm a great, like a real top quality coach. Um, and that's not to sort of, um, not, not from a, a point of view of just like deliberately being down on myself. It's, I, I don't know if I am like a great coach. I don't know if you'll ever get any of those boys yet. Finton Walsh's, your Lewis Broughton's, you know, your Rob Deeders, who, who have been at Worthing and then have been at Whitehawk, who will go, oh, he's the best coach I've ever had. Um, he puts on the best sessions. Uh, you know, I'm a UFB qualified coach. I was lucky enough to get that. Um, I think I can put on sessions and I think they're okay, you know, but 
from that point of view, I wouldn't say that I've really gone into the men's game and, and made sure I'm coaching every session. I like to coach and I do enjoy it, but I think trying to build those relationships with players is something that I'm better at personally. Um, I've, I've still got lots to learn from that point of view, but I would say, you know, analysing analyzing games, I prefer to analyse games and to, to watch opposition and to watch players and to... That that's more my bag than than putting on the physical sessions. Um, I'm very lucky with the first team coach that I've had for the last two years in in Johnny Elwood, who's an A licensed coach. And I think um, Jay Lovett said something in your podcast about surrounding yourself with good people, and that's something that I was quite conscious of doing at early doors is to get someone in who I knew was a, a better coach than I was, so that I, I wasn't going to let the players down. Um, but yeah, there is, there is that in, in terms of, sorry, going back to your question, I've gone off the board a little bit, but the coaching management, there's a huge difference. Um, I've been there, I'm sure you have as well, where you've had someone put on a, a brilliant session for you and you want to try and talk to them about it. And it's like talking to, to a brick wall. You know, you can't really get much out of them from a point of view of, uh, of you as a player. Um, and that's something that, you know, very few people in the lower echelons of the game can do both very, very well. Um, I think as you go up to the top, top level, you know, the, the top level, they're, they're unbelievable coaches and they're unbelievable managers. Um, and that is, you might argue, what sets them aside. But that sort of, um, uh, it used to be the other way, didn't it? At the top level, you were one or the other. And I think that's sort of trickling down now, down at this level. You're generally speaking, you're one or the other. You do get people who do both brilliantly uh, and, you know, power to them. Um, but, yeah, I would say that I, I, coaching is something I really enjoy, but I'm not sure that I get the best out of players like somebody else could. Um, and I, I think um, that there's certainly a difference between the two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's something today, uh, one another. 29th of right, but I've read something uh, Paul Tisdale, the ex Exeter and MK Don's manager, and I think he's he's looking for a job uh, overseas in, in the states. And he was just saying, you know, he he's 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 talking about you know, there's going back to managing. You know, uh, you know, he has to go back to become a manager. You know, he was, you know, there's there is a, now a difference between you know a coach and a manager. You know, everyone would try to sort of be all encompassing the lower you know the lower you went down everyone tried to do all he says no you have to we, you know and I was doing it you've got to go back to the, a manager because the manager managed this, the, the environment you know and uh, he said you, you just can't do both you just can't do both and mm. you, you fall on your saw when you try to again you've got a very successful under 18 side uh, they're always there they're about top of the league with the Worthings and, uh, and the Lewis's of the world always a nice battle to see, because I say at the college, we've got Worthing boys, we've got Lawrence, uh, Lewis boys, we've got Whitehawk boys. It's always, it's always nice banter when it goes around. And uh, we've always successful sides. If you were, if you was back into the 18s now, and you went, you went back into 18s manager, knowing what you know now with the expectations, the standards, the values, all them sort of things that you need to play regularly at a first team level, what sort of advice would you give those boys? Because you're getting a lot of quality players on the 18s. There's a lot of quality players coming from Whitehawk 18s. But I'm seeing quite a few of them playing Sussex football, which is okay. It's okay. But again, you know, we're not, we're not playing for, you know, not playing your side, you know, and they're quality players. What would you say to those boys and the ones that are coming through now? Now, now and now, you, 
you know that difference. You know, you know, you're the one who's picking the side. Um, I'll certainly say a little bit more honesty as to, to what to prepare them for and maybe a little bit more honesty in terms of talking about their performance. Um, I think one thing we did really well at, at the 18s is, and, and one thing I, I really tried to push for is, yes, it was development football, of course. It, for its title, it's development football. But we tried to never treat it like that. Every game was, was a winning game. You had to win. Um, now, we didn't, it wasn't win at all costs, as in like pump it long. If you have to pump it long, we, you, we still wanted to play. But every game was about winning. There was an end goal of a title. There was an end goal of a cup. There was an end goal of um, a playoff. You had to focus that way. And something we spoke about regularly, um, and I think many of the boys, you know, we, we, we tried to make it as much like a men's change room as possible. Um, and that was demanding standards of each other, um, you know, creating leaders, talking about problem solving on a pitch, um, you know, making sure that they were able to solve problems without me having to hold their hands through it. So in the end, the last, certainly the last year, it was the easiest job in the world, Stephen, because they, they did everything for me, the, the players. Um, they drove the standards, they drove, you know, the performance levels. Um, and so it was more of a guiding job than a, than a management job. So I was very, very lucky in that regard. But it, it's, society has changed a little bit. Um, and it's, it's very much, and this is not necessarily the kids' fault, but it's like a, a, a microwave generation. You know, people want things instantly. They want things instantaneously and they can get them instantaneously. Um, so... It's trying to help, if I was to go back now, it would be to try and help them understand that when you come out, if you're, if you're a top-level youth player, that doesn't automatically mean you go directly across into being a top-level senior player. You're back down to the bottom of that ladder again until you prove yourself. So you might be right up at the top end of one ladder, but you're going in at the bottom. You're at the bottom rung, and you then have to work your way up. Now, that might be your first training session, and they realise, Jesus, this kid's good and it'll shoot up that ladder really quickly. But trying to help them to understand that they go in at the very, very bottom. Um, and the more youth players that realise that, um, I think the better. Because there's some that I've seen, not just for me, but at other clubs as well, that play 10 games, and they think they're in the middle of that ladder. And they're, they're a world away, you know, an absolute world away from that. And so that would be the the main thing if I could go back into that environment again to try and help them to understand that. Take away, take away the goalkeeper because we know goalkeepers are quite, they're crazy and they're mad and they're sort of, you know, a rule to themselves and sometimes best left alone. If, it, if they stop goals, if they, if, they, if they save more goals than they let in, let them be who they want to be. And you tend to find centre fools are the same. You know, crazy, uh, arrogant, cocky, but if they're banging in 40 goals a season, you sort of like let them go. So maybe take them two away. Do you have, you know, recruitment-wise, you look at plays, you look at the 18s coming through, you know, you're looking, you know, you're looking now for, you know, to develop your squad. And that. Do you have sort of standards in your head that you want that play to be? We know technically you've got to be good and things like that. But is there sort of things in your mind where you're going, you know, I want you to be this and you need to fit in this way and, you know, this, you need to have this attitude or is it just purely on the, on the technical side? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's, it's a really good question. And I think 
now it's I'm very lucky because I'm in a much different position to where I was in 2018, where it was we've got one player and pre-season starts now over many weeks, and it was just get players in. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Just have I got left back? Can you kick up your left foot? You're in. And it was just trying to get players in as much as possible. Whereas now you can be more selective, like you said. And yeah, if I was looking at a youth player now, I'd say communication would probably be my number one um, thing that I would look for. So if I was going down to watch uh, the, the 18s now, I'm looking at can they talk? Can they understand the game? when they're on the pitch without having to be told and have their hand held by, by the manager. So communication would be probably my number one um, thing that I, could, I would look for because you can, you can develop players, can't you? You know, as you know, you can try and you can put players through sessions and you can coach them into new positions, and, but you can't really teach things like that. Generally speaking, they, they, they want to talk and they feel confident with their teammates or they don't. And, if you get someone who's quiet as a mouse, they might be absolutely fine in the first team environment and they might be quiet as a mouse in there and they'll be fine. Um, and Luke Emberson, a perfect example. Didn't speak at under-18s, doesn't speak at senior level. Probably one of the best players that we've got at Whitehawk. Um, but some players you need to be able to talk, you need to be able to communicate. And, and um, that would be, I would say, a huge, huge one for me. And, and that's, uh, mate, I, that's, that's an amazing answer because I think, I think if you speak to any coach or a manager, they go, you know, communication is really big. But no one, no one speaks about it. And this is, you know, it's a strange one. Everyone talks about communication, but no one speaks about it. It's just, it's one of those things mm. people just think, oh, it's there. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't know how many times I've been in dress rooms. I'm going, is it, not, not so much the dress room is too quiet, but the, 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 the actual pitch side, there's no communication. There's no talking. And I, I think personally, you know, for me, that's such a lost art in people's repertoire. Why, why do you think that is? You know, I know it's difficult, it's no answer to it, but why do you think, you know, we are getting great, great kids at local football, talented, playing for good colleges, good academies, England schools, the whole thing. Great, great ability, far more than I ever had. Far more than I ever had. But you see them play and there's moments you're like, you haven't spoken for 25 minutes. I, and, yeah. and why is that, do you reckon? I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't know the answer. Is my honest answer to you. I don't know. Um, if I had to guess, you'd, you'd have to say that phones would be part of it because they don't really have to communicate with each other. Kids don't go and knock on other kids anymore. Um, and that, you know, there were still quiet kids when they used to go and knock on each other, of course. But that, that, would have, that has to influence it. Um, you know, that you, you, you talk through a screen screen rather than talking face to face with people um i think maybe the ego side of coaching has affected it yeah. um uh, you know because the coach is so desperate for people to be perfect in this way and that way and this way and that way that they lose the ability to be able to problem solve themselves because the coach is desperate for that for them to be the hero the coach wants to be the hero rather than the players um and so that is, uh, I would say, it, you know, might be part of it, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so, you know, I, I watch back so many games and I, I, I can't really talk about other teams, but certainly for me, especially in that really difficult season, we had 18-19. Um, and, and I would watch players who 
had played however many dozens of games in the Bostic League and players who had come through my youth team who were good communicators. And I'd watch them play and I was thinking, you've seen the problem, you've identified it, I've watched you look at the problem and you've said absolutely nothing. And and that would that was hard to watch back in games in game footage. Really, really difficult. And confidence is is quite obviously an issue for young players. That you know they don't want to um, they don't want to talk. They think they get shouted down by by senior players. But I think that matters about, about the senior players you recruit. Yeah, um, you know they're not shouting and swearing at the senior players. They're they're giving them information. Um, it, yeah, it's a really good question, and I, I wish I did know the answer. I'd be probably quite a rich man if I if I did know the answer to it. I, I think I think these are the things that sort of you know put on speak about because you know, like I say, in eighteen, someone doesn't do that. You can see the goal. You go in four one. You know, you forget about the goal as such. You know, you know, you, you analyze it. Good number here, but then you score the four goals and you win the game. But when you're playing your level, first team, one that one mistake, you go one nil down. You lose a game one nil. The meaning is different. It's a it's a bit different meaning, and I think what 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 young players need to realise is, is you know when people think you're ready, it probably isn't because you're technically ready, it's because you're mentally and emotionally ready, and that's what I think people get, young players get annoyed about. You know, I'm good, I'm better than him, I'm better, and you, and you may well be. The chances are you probably are technically better, but that's not what like like you know yourself in that level are looking at as much. You're looking at. You know, when you make mistakes, are you able to come back from them? Are you doing the fundamental basics, like communication, like speaking to people, like meeting, you know, you, you did wrong and things like that? If you don't, then goals will be conceded. And you lose games as a manager, you lose games. You're no longer there anymore. Yeah, oh, it's, um, you, you made a really good point. Like, emotionally, are, are they ready? And are, are definitely can pick one or two players that I've maybe used that, that weren't emotionally ready at all. Um, you know, I, even, I could probably include myself in that. And certainly in the first few months, I probably wasn't emotionally ready for, for, for the role. And I think, um, but being emotionally ready as, as a youth player, it's easy to, to post a picture of yourself on Instagram after you've made your first team debut um, and get a hundred likes and, and feel like a million dollars. That, that's easy. Um, but how are you going to deal with the first time then that you get dropped? How are you going to deal with the first time then that you get told you're miles away from being good enough? Because if you can't deal with that emotionally, you've got no chance, absolutely no chance. You know, you're a daydreamer if you think you're going to make it. And I, like I said, I, I can think of a, definitely a couple of lads that were technically definitely ready, definitely. But emotionally and that's not to say they cried their eyes out but just being able to deal with the situation weren't ready and are not you know that's something that I would say that I'm more equipped to be able to identify now um, I'm certainly not a, uh, an expert but it's something that I'm definitely more conscious of are they able to are you going to be able to deal with coming into this environment and not performing well because it's easy to to come in and play well because that's easy isn't it everyone wants everyone can come in and play well and get told they're brilliant but it's coming in and playing well and then, uh, sorry, coming in playing badly and then being dealing with that, you know. And, 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 it, and it's, it's simple things like, you know, when, when an 18-year-old comes, you know, comes training, you know, and, and he's there and he's very technically good. Let's say it's in the fall, for example. You know, he's moving around, he's sharpening, he's coming, coming long, uh, going short, he's going long, he's spinning the corners and things like that. He scores a couple of goals in training. 
what makes a difference is when the centre-backs start talking to each other and going, I'm not having that again, as a 32-year-old man, and start kicking seven bells out of the kid. That's when you go, ah, I know you can score goals, but can you score goals when someone's kicking seven bells out of you? That's what kids don't realise. It's, you know, when you play senior football, even in training, you have senior players who will not want to lose their position, especially to a, an 18-year-old kid. And if you're doing something quite well in training as an 18-year-old kid, your touch is quite nice, when there comes opportunity for these experienced players to lay one on you, they will lay one on you. And on the outside, when you're watching it, you're not interested how good they are when on the ball. You're, you're interested how you're reacting now when someone's laid one on you. That's what, that, that's what, you, that's what you're looking at. Because that's going to happen over 90 minutes on a Saturday afternoon, and even worse. And that's what the young kids don't realise. That, that happens. It will happen. And I'm, maybe I'm speaking out of turn here, but you're, 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 you know, you're, you're what the kid's name in a book if he turns around and gives us in the back a smack. And you go, ah, okay. You know, I like, you know, he's got something there. And then you put that in your book and you go, hmm, maybe you know, come next week. But if, if, if they start moaning and groaning and blah, blah, blah about the training session being too high and being too kicked, then the chances are you're not going to invite him back anymore. And I think that's what a lot, a lot of the young guys need to realise when they go from the 18s, which doesn't happen, to, you know, even Sussex men's football, people are there and some of their jobs are to hurt you. Simple as uh, and it's, it's how you react from that. And do you have enough about you mentally and emotionally to accept it, first of all, and find ways to equalise it, so to speak? Yeah, definitely. I think look, you just said it there, like talking about the, the county league and, and, and higher. The, the best players know what their limitations are and they go, this is what I'm really good at. So I'm, I'm brilliant in the air. You know, um, I'm brilliant at, at winning the ball back and giving simple passes. And the, the ones who have, who have done really well for themselves are the ones who know what they're good at. And there will be some players, like you've just said, who will go, I'm absolutely brilliant at setting the tone in a game, timing my tackles to perfection. I can leave a little bit in there. I'm good at that. And, and they will do that. And if they see a skimpy little 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old lad who thinks he's a million dollars because he's playing for a first team, put a sticker reducer on him. And that, I'm not saying that happens every weekend, not at all. But that does happen. And there are players that know what they're doing. And, and can you deal emotionally um, and mentally with the idea of getting smashed? And then it's not just getting smashed. That, that's it, it by the by. But the next time you get the ball, are you still going to be able to have the confidence to play the passes you want to play? Because then if you're giving the ball away, I've then got my 30-year-old, my... 34-year-old, my 26-year-old, absolutely letting you have it because you're giving the ball away. And so it's not just dealing with the, the tackle, it's, it's dealing with the aftermath of the tackle of going, right, am I now going to go into my shell and give the ball away every time I, I get it? Or am I going to stand up and be counted and go, well, I can't hit you back because I'm not strong enough, but what I can do, like you said about equalising it, what I can do is I can go, right, I'm going to still try and play my game. Hit me again, it's fine, I'll get back up, I'm still going to play my game. And there, there are young lads who are ready for that, and there are young lads who, who definitely, definitely aren't. Do you think, this is a strike, I've never asked this question before openly, uh, um, and me, me and Dave Hall always have this conversation, probably, you know, it's probably one, one of the go-to conversations always, is, and I always use the analogy of Gay Neville, he probably won't listen to this, so he doesn't really care. But Gay Neville... Probably, well, I, 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 I'll admit if he did listen, but Gay Neville wasn't the best fullback in the world. 
but he was the best person to know how the fullback plays. So he's game management of a fullback. I don't think he crossed the halfway line hardly any time, but he wasn't the best technically gifted fullback that ever was. He were not, you know, you wouldn't stand on your feet and, a, you know, and a my he skill, he'd give it to the outside winger, which was Gibbs or Ronaldo or whatever. But he knew everything there was to play fullback. And he played, I don't know, 90 plus or whatever it's for games for England. He's won, probably one of the most, you know, decorated players of all time. And he did the basics extremely well. Do you think players this day and age know how to play their position? Uh, the, the broad answer you would have to say is yes, of mm. course. Um, but in terms of, you, you know, you're, you're, we're in a bit of a FIFA generation and we're in a bit of a YouTube generation. And so what, what happens is people, look, there's not a Gary Neville highlights clip on YouTube, I would guess. I haven't searched it, but my guess would be there's not a Gary Neville highlights of him tackling and then passing it five yards. Um, you know, so what, what are their highlights reels of? There's highlights reels of Steven Gerrard rolling it out of his feet and pinging it 80 yards. Um, the same with all these players who can do these amazing things. So we're in this generation where these boys, that's what they want to do. Um, and they want to be noticed and they want a, a, a sort of, a lot of players want to be a highlights player. And so you look at probably one of the best sides for it was Mourinho's first Chelsea year, so 405, and they just did all the basics unbelievably well. So, like every all the basics, every single one of them did the basics brilliantly. And then on top of that, you had the brilliance of you know your Ryan Robbins and so on. Um, and I don't think that enough of the boys, and this is something we spoke about regularly at the 18s, certainly in my final couple of years there there's not enough boys who are willing to go, I will play six out of 10 today if it means that he is going to play a nine or a 10. And um, I, I would probably look at maybe, you know, I've, I've mentioned before um, a couple of minutes ago, but Luke Emerson, he is probably the, the one player that I've seen and, and been and, and coached who genuinely, he will, he will give you everything, but he, if he has a six out of ten, that, that is no problem to him if you've won one nil. It's absolutely no issue. He'll go home and he'll still think about his game and so on and so forth. But he'll give absolutely everything to the team to ensure that everyone else can play well. Yeah. And there are a lot of a water carrier, if you like. And there aren't many people who'll go, Well, I'll be a water carrier. And and it takes a lot to be a water carrier. It's a hard work, it's a hard job, and there aren't many of them around. So it's difficult to 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 say that. So in answer to your question, I'd say, yeah, you'd, you'd have to say that people do know how to play their positions, but do they know the basics enough? There's a lot that don't, definitely. You know, you know, what was your first job as a fullback? Stop crosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how many of them turn their backs straight away? So these things, you know, they are, in terms of knowing the basics, I'd say there are a lot of lads coming through that don't learn the basics of their position before they do all the extras, which they're, they're very, very good at. Absolutely. And, and I think this is one thing that people need to understand, especially, especially younger players, because we know you're dealing with younger players as much as our senior players. It's the fact of, you, this sounds really strange, but you don't need to be technically good at football to be a really good player. You know, if you can do two, three, possibly four really basic things for your position, 
week in, week out, week in, week out, you're going to be exceptional. And, you know, <clears throat> I take Gay Neville as a prime example. I don't think no winger went past Gay Neville because he had two or three things that he'd do today and he'd do them the best that he could for anybody else. And that was it. And he was a seven out of ten each game. He did Deschamps, you know, Zidane always said, you know, Zidane went down in history as one of the greatest players of all time. You see go rules. You don't see go, you know, rules of Didier Deschamps. But Zidane's the first one to say, there's no Didier Deschamps, there's no Zidane. But people, people, don't, people forget that actually, you know, this tag of water carrier, you're probably the smartest player in that team. Because you know how the game is playing. You're, you're letting the, the Mavericks or the, the people that do things off the cuff. And we've all dealt with players that do things off the cuff. They have no idea what they're doing. You, you know, and, and they end up being poor coaches because, you know, they can't coach what they did. They, it's just a natural gift for them, you know. But it's the water carriers that, you know, we, we, you know you, people, people term the fact of they're the smart ones. They're the ones who know each position and what's expected. They are basically the manager on the pitch, the coach on the pitch, the leader on the pitch. They're the ones who dictate it all. Why wouldn't you want to be that if you love football? Oh, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good question. I think it, <clears throat> I, I was it's, it's miles away from, from the, the level that, um, that, that I'm coaching now. But when I, when I played university football, my, you know, I, when I started university, there's about six teams, if you like. Uh, I think it was, yeah, six or maybe seven teams on a Wednesday afternoon. And I was like, right, I'm going to play for that first team. And that was just a little goal that I had. You know, I didn't, it wasn't a, wasn't a big deal necessarily, but I knew I wasn't better than a lot of the other players. Um, I knew I wasn't um, as, as strong as, as, as physically able, but I could run. And I was like, right, I'm just going to make sure that I learn my position. And then I learn the position in front of me there, the position there, the position there, so I can talk. And I'm able to, I'm going to be able to talk to players within the game. So I can talk myself to a higher level than I'm, than I'm actually able to do. And that sort of comes, comes back to it because what you're saying about the basics is you want to try and do all the basics well because there's not going to be every game where you're going to be able to do the, the superstar stuff. And there's some brilliant, brilliant players that I've been lucky enough to coach. Um, uh, one of them has been at Worthing College, Lucas Rodriguez. And there are times where people, or he is almost expected to do the superstar stuff every single game. And that's just not humanly possible. It's just not going to happen every single game. He might come up against a brilliant centre-half or a brilliant left-back or, or whatever. And so he's not going to be able to do those things. So you have to have the basics within your locker to be able to fall back to so you can go, it's not my game today. Someone else is going to have to win the game for us, but I'm going to make sure that I never give the ball away. I'm going to make sure that I track my runner and I'm going to make sure I talk. Yeah, absolutely. And then someone else is going to have to do it. And I think those qualities you might say are lacking. And I think that is because of a bit of a, like, a, like we were saying previous about a bit of a highlights generation, you know, people want to be the one noticed every single game. And that's, that's not what it's about being in a team, you know, in a team, you can't play well for 38 games. It's just not possible. So you have to understand what else you can do for the team. Absolutely. And, and we say, you know, I, you know, when, when, when this goes out and, and, and Dave Hall listens to it, you know, he, he, won't, he won't mind me saying this and he might have different words. But we, you know, we, we say this all the time. Defenders defend. That's it. Done. Job. But full players go and get the ball back all the time. And if you're a fun boy, you're being direct. You go direct. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing a winger 
who can who, who's gone down the line to get a nice cross in for the centre forward, who then cuts back and sticks it 20 yards back to the midfield player. There's nothing worse than that. You know what I mean? So, like, if you're a defender, just defend. And, you know, and that mentality of defending is, a, again, is an art. You know, people go, oh, I'm, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm not the highlight rule. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing out from the back. If you want to be that one, you've got that ability and the coach wants it to go, then fair play. But first of all, you're defending. You're defending. You know, and you're getting anything you can on shots. You're getting anything you can on crosses. And if it falls in the box and it bounces around and the center falls one tap in, then you're going to sit on it if you have to. You know, if you're a midfield player, you've got to go and get the ball back. I don't care how, where you're going or who you're chasing down, you're getting the ball back. You know, and if you're, if you're a front boy or winger, center forward, you know, you're being direct. You know, you're going to get, drive into that box, around that box, and make things happen. If you do things on top of that, hey, great. If you can go win the ball back and hit a 40 yarder, I probably won't be with you for much longer. You know, you, you're, you, you're way superior more than me. If you're on the back who's, you know, just mucked this in a fall and you're driven out and have a shot from 40 yards, you probably won't be with me. But it's those space, and I, and I think, you know, and I think one of the success you've had this year, we talk about success with Whitehawk, is it's like I, I've only seen a couple of games, but we've got, you know, a lot of boys that, that are around it and he here, is that you've got boys that do that. You've got defenders that want to defend. You know, you've got midfield players that, you know, want to graft and go and get the ball back. And you've got, you've got attackers who want to be attackers. You want to score goals. You know, would you say that's one of your successes this year? Because you've had a, you know, this year's been a, been a, been a good year for you. It could have been better. Well, but it's been a good year. We were unfortunate. I think we didn't really want the season to end. It was one of those, really. But I think our recruitment was good, which, you know, JP Kissick, who's player assistant manager, he's been sort of really influential in that. Um, and... Um, we've recruited um, the right players to be able to play the way we want to play. And so players like um, Marvin Hamilton have, have played Conference South level and, and they have played at that level. He's played international football, um, you know, for, for Sri Lanka. And, and he, he, knows the, he knows the basics of defending. Um, so we had a team that could, or generally speaking, not in every game, of course, but did the basics first, and then we were able to go and um, go and express ourselves and go and play football because those basics were in place. Um, and I think that was something that was really, really important for us. And I think it sort of came from about October onwards. I don't think we really clicked until about October, um, but we were we we basically we managed to get our um, our match day sort of prep down to a, a sort of um we organized it a certain way and we organized how we were going to play a certain way as well and the, the rules were very simple and when we kept things simple we found that the, the 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 high quality players players like jp were able to then go and dictate the game um because everyone else was able to, you know they did the basics properly and and that was something that was really really pleasing and, and a lot of the times I said it previously about my last year at the 18s. There was a lot of games this year where I, I had the easiest job in the league because my players were were doing were doing so much for me and 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 you know that is it is genuinely is a I wouldn't say it's a joy. I wouldn't say any match day is a joy because you're filled with anxiety. Um, but uh, I, I would say it was there were times it was a real pleasure to watch. So regarding your future, I know, you know, I'm not saying you're, gonna, you're not leaving nowhere, you're staying as you are. If you listen to this, he's got, you know, Jude's going nowhere. But we all have ambition in life. 
you know, uh, what, you know, have you, have you got any managerial ambitions? Um, yeah, in, in I'd say the, the most obvious one would be to try and get promoted with Whitehawk. It, whenever this season starts, obviously we don't know when that will be, um, the 2021 season. That would, that would be the main one for me. I think, if you, obviously, if you're saying to anyone, would you want to go and work full-time in football? I think it's, I'm a football fan. Of course I'd want to, but you have to be realistic. And I think my goals are, are very much set short-term and my, my short-term goals are, um, and my short-term goal um, is to try and get promotion with Whitehawk. And I've been really lucky to, to be able to be given the job, you know, in the, in the first place, um, when probably a lot of people would say I was I was miles away from ready. I shouldn't have really got it, and I was lucky enough to get given it. Um, and so I think you know from that point of view, it's, it's it's important for me to try and give give back to the club that's given me the opportunity. And and I would love to get promotion with Whitehall. So that's my I, I would say the thing that I think about most, and I think about well every day. Um, I, I would say is I'm thinking about another player that I want to bring in, or I'm thinking about how I could use a certain player differently. And, and that is my, um, the most important thing I'd say for me. So yeah, you know, I think you can look down the line and say in 10, 15 years, this, that, the other, but we, we don't, we never know what's going to happen. We don't know what will happen personally. We don't know what will happen football wise. Uh, and so for me, it's rather than trying to think down into the long term, I try and keep it more short term and try and work on improving myself. Um, for the benefit of me, but also for the benefit of the players that I've got at the moment. And I just want to, one more thing before we leave it. You know, we're in a, we're in a situation at the moment when, you know, most of us are in the lockdown, those who are not, you know, are saving our lives, basically. So most of us are in sort of lockdown. And, and there's, there's, there's so much stuff out there, you know, there's, how, how, do we, how do we cope with this? You know, how do we keep ourselves mentally strong and things like that? First of all, how are you coping? Uh, and your players, how, how are your players coping? Because you know nothing changes. You're still manager of Whitehawk. You're just speaking to them in a different format. So how are you dealing with the, with lockdown? And how are how are how's your how's your players dealing with it? Well, I think generally we ju- we just tried to do a few keep warms with with players and and dropping the messages, um, see how they're doing, and, and so on and so forth. I think w- with me, I'm probably the fittest I've ever been. I think I'm. I'm running more than I've, uh, more regularly than I ever have before. Um, and so I've been okay. Obviously, like yourself, I'm still teaching. So um, teaching from, from behind, sort of behind the kitchen table, if you like. Um, and, and so I've been quite lucky that I've been quite stimulated, if you like. Um, but yeah, it's a difficult time for players, especially players who don't necessarily have another job or quite a few of our players coach. So they can't work at the moment. So from their point of view, it is, it's a really difficult time. And I think, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we're going to come out of this, the other side of this very, very different. Life will be extremely different. And so I think when, when football does resume, whether that is in September or whether that's, you know, next calendar year, I think it's going to be a huge release for people. Um, and I think hopefully... It will be on, on a positive, um, on a positive scale. I think that hopefully there'll be a big um, boom in non-league football, if you like, 
Um, and that, that's certainly what I'm hoping for, obviously, as someone who works in non Um I, I think there really will be a, a great deal of interest with it. We've got a lot of young coaches that listen to this uh, and great feedback so far. So thanks, guys. And, and please, you know, any, any feedback is always good feedback. Uh, but being a lot of young coaches and being a young coach yourself, what advice would you give to you know, those guys who are looking to you know, make that next step in their coaching strike? managerial career um try to learn as much as possible be open-minded i would say open being open-minded is is crucial um so be as open-minded as possible don't um don't sort of judge a book by its cover if it's a, an older person looking to talk to you or a, a younger person that you think might not be as experienced so uh, both of those um, things someone you might think is a dinosaur for example versus someone you might think is too young listen to everybody um, and then draw your own conclusions on, on what they say um, so I, I would say being open-minded is the first thing and then I'd say if, depending upon what level of football you are being able to um, detach yourself from results so that's irrelevant whether you're playing in senior football or wherever you are in development football for two different reasons development because you're looking to develop the players and the people um uh, or, and the players as people first and foremost the result is arguably less important and, and senior football detach yourself from the result so that you can concentrate on the performance in order to improve um rather than rather than taking that on with you so i will say sort of being open-minded and being able to detach yourself from from the result for two different reasons and what's the biggest thing that you've learned so far as a manager? <sighs> I mean, how long have you got? We've been here for an hour. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say certainly self-reflection is, is definitely um, is, is the, one of the biggest things I've learned. Being able to reflect, but not being overly hard on myself. So... Um, being able to try and draw positives out of what's happened rather than just um, rather than just constantly looking for negatives is, is one of the biggest and and also like I just said you know took me a little bit of time but trying to be able to detach myself from the results a little bit so that I can concentrate on you know I still need to concentrate on the result of course but being able to try and focus on what happened in the performance rather than the emotion of a 1-0 win or a 4-1 win or a 4-0 loss so trying to detach myself so that I can improve the team. Jude, as always, mate, it, it, you know, we, we've only had a, a brief chat before over, over an educational thing. Uh, but like I say, you know, the, the, the boys that I've been around that have been in your company, both as manager and coach, just, you know, just rave about you, mate. And, uh, and I'm happy today that we've actually got a chance to sit down and have a, have a geeky football chat uh, away from away from the lights and, and, and sort of outside uh, environments. So, Jude, thanks so much for spending your time with me today, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I've, and I've like I say, these things, if I turn around, if I walk away and go, yeah, I've learned a lot, and I don't reflect enough, you know, I don't reflect enough. And when I do, I sort of, you know, try to try to look at the good things, not so much of the things that I need to do. So, you know, you, you reminded me that reflection is a big part of, of development, is something that I know I need to do more. So, to, every day is a learning day, and, and, and today you've... Uh, You've been my teacher, so I thank you for that, mate. Thanks very much, man. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Really enjoyed it. Yeah.
guys, when you listen to Spat, listen to Jude, you know, someone so young, so much experience, he's had ups and downs, but, you know, as he will say, he always says, you know, it's people first, play second, you look at people, you know, communication is a big key, you know, look at the mental and emotional side of, of, of the environment and, and just, you know, don't always think that because you're a gifted player, you're going to make, you know, uh, uh, you can make it in a game at any level, you know, there's more to them being being given the ball and, and Jude today has highlighted some of those main reasons. So guys, as always, listeners back, I'm going to revisit this with Jude because I love geeking with him. It's uh, nothing better than geeking with some with a fellow geek and away from other geeks who don't like being geeked. Makes sense? I don't know. But there you go. So guys, listen to this. Thanks so much. As I stay at this time of, uh, of, uh, of isolation, you know, stay safe, stay at home, be a student of whatever you do, enjoy what we do, be creative, learn something because when we come up the other side, we, we all want to come out slightly better before and then then we run in okay so until next time guys take care of yourself steve and brave move man see you soon bye, -bye.